Welcome to this episode of Litigation Briefs, Media Shorts on Law and Courts. I'm Scott Dodson, a distinguished professor of law at UC Hastings College of the Law and the director of the Center for Litigation and Courts, which produces this series. All countries have some kind of public system to resolve civil disputes like accidents or business disputes or consumer products and the like. Most of us have some familiarity with the particular civil justice system that the United States has adopted. But what about other countries? Do they have similar systems? If not, what's different and why? And because we're all a bit competitive after all, who's better? Here to help me with these questions is my guest, Margaret Wu, professor of law at Northeastern University School of Law and a leading expert on comparative litigation. Margaret, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, and thank you for the intro. I have to chime in to say that, Scott, you yourself are a leading expert in comparative litigation. And so I think that this will be an excellent uh, conversation. That sounds great. So listeners already know a bit about the U.S. civil litigation system from earlier episodes of this show and maybe media portrayals and perhaps even their own experience. But can you start with some quick rundowns of the key features of U.S. civil litigation? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. And I have to start um, and preface my answer by saying that, you know, when we talk about comparative law, we're really talking about generalities. And certainly within uh, any system, you can find exceptions. And, yeah, and even today, many kind of um, distinctive systems uh, are said to be in a convergence. But as a matter of generality, you could uh, point to certain features of the US system uh, that are said to be exceptional or unique. And I think that the there are probably three key features. Uh, one is really the use of civil litigation to enforce social norms. That is that, that, that the idea that you can have civil litigation acting almost like a private attorney general, whereas in many other countries with a bigger administrative and regulatory state, some of the enforcement it, or most of the enforcement is done through the state and regulation. Whereas in the US, I think we tend to want enforcement to be done also through private litigation. And so this particular feature, I think, plays into a lot of the other procedural kind of uniqueness of the US. So that's one feature. And then I think the other feature really is the diffuse power uh, of the players within litigation many systems, uh, whether it's the civil law system or the Far Eastern system, you have judges who are professional bureaucrats who really go through the career system of the judiciary. And they have really a strong role in shaping the claims and shaping the legal disputes and presenting the evidence. But again, in the US system, that power is diffused between different parties and the particular procedural mechanisms that we have in the US like discovery and so on, which I'm sure we can talk about in greater detail, reflects that uh, division and distribution of power. And then the final other thing I think is really the trier facts. I mean, the US believe in the participation of lay uh, jurors, uh, even in civil cases. And I think it is 
probably the only, well, that and uh, in Australia and some parts of Canada, um, system that allows lay people to sit in on civil litigation. Um, and in many systems, if uh, lay jurors aren't even um, a part of the criminal um, uh, litigation system. And so this respect for and the involvement of uh, lay people in the legal process is I think also really unique. So those are three, I think, features that, that I think are really uh, defines the US. I wanna follow up on the first feature about mm -hmm. um, judges. And, mm -hmm. and I'm curious if you can say a little bit about how judges are educated and yes. appointed and what their careers are like in other countries as opposed to the US. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. In many countries, the, even the law school is not a graduate degree, it's an undergraduate degree. And you go through it and at the end of it, you uh, select a career path. You can either go into private practice and make that selection and you select the judiciary uh, as a possible career path, or you can select the uh, prosecutor. Uh, and, um, and, and, and upon graduation, you will get routed into those um, routes of path. And if you select the judiciary, then you might get a couple of years of additional training to be a judge. And then thereafter, that's what you do. You serve as a judge uh, from law school and, um, and then you move up the career ladder. Um, and then again, in the US, as we all know, the judiciary oftentimes is a combination of, uh, of a private attorney's career. Uh, that is, you get a lot of experience and then as the crown uh, uh, of your career, you might opt to try uh, to get appointed or get elected as a judge. And so most of our judges actually come from the practicing bar. Can you also maybe say a few words about the differences in the lawyerly or litigation culture between the US uh, litigation system and other systems? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm sure you know, actually. Uh, Robert Kagan uh, wrote a book called Adversarial Legalism to describe uh, the U.S. Uh, culture, and uh, and the idea is that um, that 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 the U.S. tend to believe that law um, underlies uh, an orderly society. Well, other countries also believe law underlies an orderly society, but uh, what makes the U.S. maybe a little different is that idea that contestation and again the diffusion of authority are better at protecting our rights than uh, centralized authority. So again, that means then the adversarial aspect of you know, contestation drives every aspect of policymaking. We see that in how we um, lawyers get involved in drafting of laws and it comes from kind of debates. Um, policy implementation, we see lawyers being involved in uh, bringing litigation, uh, whether it's in the environmental enforcement or discrimination, and uh, uh, and it is this contestation that helps uh, 
really underlie both policymaking, policy implementation in the US. And this culture of adversarial legalism um, is said to be very defining. Um, of course, as you know, the recent movement to ADR, the Alternative Dispute Resolution, um, uh, would contest that this, uh, that this characteristic uh, uh, is as defining uh, today as it once was. But, um, but certainly it's a very, you know, the US is very lawyer center, litigation center, and it gives power to lawyers as a result. I want to drill down on that lawyer-centered focus just a bit, and mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could contrast the way the American system really does focus on yeah. the representation that lawyers have of their clients here with the more perhaps judge-centered um, litigation yeah. structure in other countries. Yeah, no, it's really so, you know, I had mentioned earlier the concept of discovery, so if you bring a lawsuit in uh, either a European country or say in China, which is the country I've uh, done most of my research in, uh, litigation would be directed much more by the judge. The judge um, would have an initial review of the claim and then the judge would decide what evidence he or she might want to see. And once upon a time in the Chinese legal system, the judge would actually have to go out and do investigations. Today, the judge might order the lawyers to kind of bring in the particular evidence he or she might want to see. Whereas in the US system, it's the lawyers who drive it. It's the lawyers who says, well, you know, this is a negligence issue and our dispute of fact is on the you know, reasonable care conduct uh, allegedly um, um, failed to be met by the defendant. And, and here's my evidence to prove it. And then the discovery will allow the other side to see this evidence and then will allow uh, each side to produce their own evidence. And that kind of um, exchange of evidence and the ability to seek information from each other rather than having the judge request it is very, very uh, indicative of the lawyer center uh, litigation system. Uh, and as a result, I think that lawyers in, our, in the US society is more powerful. I mean, the bar is more powerful, it's more active, it's more politically involved than in other countries. And so in our system, it, what are the costs and benefits as compared to yeah. systems in other countries? And wh which, is, which is better? You know, it's so funny because um, now you know better than to ask that because of those of us who do comparative study, try to avoid making normative judgments. And it really is a matter that legal systems reflect uh, individual legal systems, history and political preferences. And at least with the US, it, because it is such a diffuse system, I think it's unpredictable, it's less predictable, arguably, because you might have a jury that come out with a different um, finding and a uh, you know, different amount uh, of damages, even for a very similar case. So, so there's really less consistency and it's probably less efficient too. And, um, and it might even um, 
um, be less consistent, right? So it's less consistent, less predictable. But on the other hand, it really is something I think the U.S. won't have any other way uh, because they 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 want uh, individuals uh, to have uh, the ability to have the uh, authority. We want individual litigants and individual lawyers representing these litigants to have a say in the particular dispute that they're involved in. And we want their participation. So it's really consistent with our value. But we give up, I think, some consistency, some predictability, but we gain more power, more participation, and more ability to challenge centralized authorities. What are some of the pros and cons of the, you know, you can pick a system, the Chinese system or the German mm-hmm. system in your, in your, in your view. Mm-hmm. The, the pros and cons. Yeah. Um, mm, well, um, well, again, you, you know, I think the German system or the Chinese system might work for their system because they have a huge regulatory state that actually um, um, give both, you know, all the welfare benefits that um, the U.S. Uh, citizens uh, might not uh, as easily attainable. And so what that means is, is that the U.S. might need an active litigation system, whether uh, it's in personal injury, to fill in that gap. And so so again, it gets down to the particular, um, um, you know, it works, the US works for the US and the Germans works for the Germans, okay? And the Chinese may work for the Chinese. But if you force me <laughs> to say in general, what is best about each system, I, I do think the best thing about the US system is the ability to challenge centralized authority. Whereas both the German system and, and the um, Chinese system, you know, it may be very efficient at resolving individual disputes, may be very efficient in coming out with a negotiated settlement that make people happy. But if you're in a position to challenge the government, boy, I would much rather be in the US system where the lawyers you know, have uh, authority, where the systems give party litigants authority uh, than in the Chinese system or in the German system. Systems are dynamic and we live in an increasingly global society. So how have the litigation systems in the US and elsewhere changed in recent years? You know, the U.S. have been really very astute at um, at, at um, putting forth their system. Uh, and at least, um, I think, especially during the 2000s, I, in my recollection, I did a lot of law reform work in China back in the 2000s. And, um, and it, you know, the whole kind of, idea of due process has really made its way across to the rest of the world. And the whole idea of really that litigation is not just resolve individual disputes, but it could be serve a 
a, a, a valuable role in restructuring society also is slowly making across uh, the rest of the world. So you do see things like class actions now starting in the US, now in many parts of Europe and uh, Asia, South America, there are discussions of class actions. Lay jurors you see also moving um, over in many parts of the world, albeit primarily in the criminal uh, law area, okay? But uh, the whole um, idea that our adversarialness and the cost and the economic cost of having very uh, contested, um, um, let's say litigation and contested procedure has meant that the U.S. have to learn from the other side too. And the U.S. has actually gotten much more judge-centered uh, in recent years too. And so what we now are seeing is what Judith Resnick calls managerial judges. So the discovery rule has really changed within the last, I think, 10 years where judges and the Rule 16 conference, the judges have been much more involved in managing discovery uh, and proportionality. Everybody in the rest of the world now, as well as the US have adopted proportionality principle for discovery. And so we do see some movement back and forth in different aspects of the procedure. So, Margaret, uh, thanks so much for being on the show and for telling us what civil litigation is like in other countries. Yeah, well, thank you so much, I hope. Uh, I hope we can continue this conversation. Uh, I think that it's terrific that um, this series, as well as I think the U.S. legal culture is 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 now moving to look abroad a little more. And uh, oh, and by the way, just to chime in very quickly before you end, SB eight, the litigation that challenged the abortion law in Texas, it's a whole comparative law argument there where both sides were looking at legal systems from the rest of the world to support their position to argue either the U.S. is beyond, you know, the global norm or within the global norm. So we can see it even in the latest Supreme Court litigation. Well, that'll All be right, well, thank you. <laughs> that'll be something to talk about in a future episode. Um, yes. Thank you again, Margaret. This okay, episode thank you. This episode was produced by the Center for Litigation and Courts at UC Hastings College of the Law. If you enjoyed this episode of Litigation Briefs, I hope you'll tune in to future episodes. In fact, I hope you'll consider subscribing to our YouTube channel and audio podcast, which can be accessed through the Center for Litigation and Courts website at sites.uchastings.edu slash CLC. While you're at it, encourage a friend to do the same. This is Litigation Briefs. Respectfully submitted, Scott Dodson. <laughs> Thank you.